So tonight I'm going to talk about patience, this kind of elusive quality. Um, The first thing I'll say is that we live in a world and in a culture that makes it very hard to be patient. We, you know, I was thinking about this during this week that uh, when I was young and, you know, people older than me, when we were young, Sometimes if you wanted a product and it wasn't at the store and you couldn't find it in a catalog, you just couldn't get it, you know? And we live in this strange circumstance now in which we all walk around with the entire internet in our pocket and we can get any product we want instantly, you know? And we're kind of used to that, you know? And I I think there's a way that it turns all of us a little bit into spoiled children, you know? It's like, we're all so used to, you know, I can get exactly what I want when I want it, you know, this kind of thing. Um, which, which is, it's interesting, you know? And and certainly any any spiritual path, ultimately we'd be looking at our, our buying habits and our consuming habits, but I think just as important is just to look at our attitudes, you know? You know, do we, can we appreciate what is, what is miraculous about the fact that I could order something today and it arrives tomorrow? You know, can I see that with gratitude and awe, you know, rather than as taking it for granted, you know? Um, every time we take something for granted, we're stepping away from greater consciousness, you know? And so that that's sort of one aspect, just kind of the cultural aspect of of, of patience or impatience. Um, a lot of patience or impatience has to do with our expectations. You know, imagine, for example, someone had this idea, walked into the Sangha with this idea that the talk after the meditation would be only two or three minutes long. And then, you know, that was their expectation. And then I went on talking longer. They might start to get impatient with my talk. Like, why is this guy talking more than three minutes? You know, this kind of thing. Like, in other words, when we have improper information, sometimes that sets us up to be impatient. Um, And what's really interesting about that is many times, at, at least for me, I find many times my expectations about how long something is going to take have a good dose of fantasy thinking in them, you know, like, you know, oh, sure, it's going to be easy. It's going to take no time at all, you know, like this kind of thing, you know, you some kind of fantasy-based story. And then when I'm actually in the experience, often it occurs to me, oh, what was I thinking? Of course, this is going to take longer, you know, um, And it, it's actually very interesting. I think this, uh, just this very narrow area of how long do things take, in a way it provides an interesting laboratory for looking at how much our expectations are infused with fantasy thinking, you know? And it's a, an interesting ground to explore. And so patience and impatience, they're, they're very interesting. Um, I'll tell you a story that happened to me this past week. 
Um, I, I work in the city and often I walk to BART, but some days I drive to BART and I, I park my car and drive home. Um, and Thursday, Wednesday, I happened to drive to BART. And when I got back, I turned the key and nothing happened, mm. you know? And so then I had to call AA and, um, and there was a good 45 minutes or so before AA came. And, you know, I'm just standing there in the, in the BART lot. And I certainly was feeling a certain amount of discontent, a certain amount of impatience, you know. Um, at the same time, I guess I was present to some extent, you know. I do remember when the guy showed up, I made a very conscious choice, you know. I'm happy to see this guy. I don't want to dump any of my discontent on him, you know, this sort of thing. Um, and so I was polite to him as he was helping me. You know, I was grateful that he was finally there and giving me a new battery that worked. Um, but he kept on thanking me. Thank you for being so patient. Thank you for being so patient. Which was ironic because I was feeling a bit impatient, you know. <laughs> um, and it really, that, that experience really in many ways reconfirmed something that I've come to understand how to say this? We have these words, these interesting words, patience and impatience, and we treat them as simple opposites, but in a way they're not simple opposites. Um, impatience is an experience. It's an emotional experience, and we all have, have had that experience of being impatient, you know. But patience is more a description from the outside it's a description from the outside of an experience, something more like equanimity or inner balance or presence, you know? And it, it's funny, like this, you know, there's this way that we can't, like, you know, if we're feeling impatient and, you know, I'm, I'm not patient enough or, you know, whatever story we have, it, we can't really be patient, you know, in a way we have to, we have to be present or be equanimous, you know, and then from the outside, it looks like patience. Um, now, of course, equanimity is, is one of these classic Buddhist terms. Uh, it's equanimity is, is considered one of the four uh, illimitable mind states, the four mind states without limit. And these four are love, compassion, joy and equanimity and equanimity is probably the one that is that is least heralded among those four um equanimity is a is a place of being in a in a very deeply grounded way present and at peace with everything that is um and so certainly someone in a place of equanimity would seem very patient um and from the Buddhist perspective, it's really interesting. Impatience, really both impatience and also boredom, are just pure resistance to being present. You know, if I say I'm impatient, de facto I'm saying I'm choosing not to be present with what is right now. You know? And whenever we're feeling impatient and we're, or, or if we're feeling bored... You know, it's always an interesting question. What is arising in the present moment that I don't want to be with, you know, or that I don't want to face? You know, 
and it's always it's always a very powerful question you know what what is it in the present moment that I'm not looking at carefully enough you know this sort of thing there's a there's a whole other level of patience um I'm going to read a quote from the the Chinese sage Mencius I have a, a great deal of respect for Mencius Mencius is a Confucian he's He's kind of the number two guy in the Confucius tradition. You know, in China, he's often called the second sage after Confucius himself. Um, Confucius wrote in the 5th century BC, and Confucius presented all these, these rules, all these, you know, human beings should follow all these rules. And a couple hundred years later, the question arose, well, why did the great teacher give us all these rules? And two opposing answers arose in that period. One was given by Shunzu. Shunzu said, well, we human beings are essentially evil. We're essentially screwed up, and we need these rules to operate at some kind of minimal competence so we don't completely wipe each other out, like this kind of thing. Mencius gave the opposite answer. He said, we human beings are essentially good that our essential nature is goodness, and we need these rules, as it were, to draw out our essential goodness, you know? And in the great sweep of Chinese history, it is Mencius's interpretation of Confucianism that really won out and, and really became the official interpretation. So Mencius is often called the, the person who added heart, a heart quality, to the Confucian tradition. So this is a quote from Mencius. So it is that whenever heaven invests a person with great responsibility, first it tries his resolve, exhausts his muscles and bones, starves his body, leaves him destitute, and confounds his every endeavor. In this way, his patience and endurance are developed and his weakness are overcome. So it's a very challenging quote, you know, when, when heaven has a big job for you, first it makes you miserable, you know. Um, in some ways, I relate this to my own experience as a high school teacher, you know, because in teaching a high school class, say, I cover unit one and, you know, the kids learn it. And then by the end of unit one, they know unit one pretty well. And I give them a test on unit one. Most of them can do well on the test. You know, but then, of course, since most people have mastered unit one, I, as the teacher, know it's time to move on to unit two. Well, now unit two stuff is unfamiliar again. And, you know, those kids would be more than happy to go back and do the stuff that they're familiar with. But I'm making them do unfamiliar stuff again, you know. And I think life is a lot like that. I mean, we, you know, we have whatever challenges at the beginning of our spiritual work. You know, we work through them and then, you know, we achieve some kind of mastery. And then it's like, you know, life doesn't let us coast. Then there are greater challenges that are given us and then even greater ones, you know. Um, and it, it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like life is saying, all right, you've mastered the, the simple lesson. Now you get the advanced lesson, you know. And, and it, feel, it can feel like punishment. It can feel like, you know, wait, you know, why all the bad things happening to me, you know. Um, it... it I, I really like Mencius's interpretation. It almost takes this um, this very compassionate and noble kind of understanding that um, 
you know, if great, great challenges are being laid before me, it's because life is trying to catalyze some greatness within me, you know, this sort of thing. But that perspective takes a tremendous amount of patience. So at this point, I'll share the quote sheet. Let's say, first I'll share it with the Zoomies. And then the Roomies, this hybrid world that we live in. It's part of being a teacher, I guess, that hand up. So I have the quote from Mencius on the top. Mengza is was his actual Confucian name, the master Meng, Mengza, which was Latinized to Mencius. Uh, from the Buddha, who simply said, the greatest prayer is patience. A couple from Rumi. Rumi said, listen, make a way for yourself inside yourself. Stop looking in the other way of looking. I love that one. And he also said, be passionate for the friend's tyranny, not his tenderness, so the arrogant beauty in you can become a lover that weeps. You know? I, I love that one. And and I think in so many ways, our own ego, I think for each one of us, there's moments when our own ego is that arrogant beauty, you know? Like, look at me, look how important I am, you know, like this kind of thing. From St. Francis de Sales, have patience with all things, but chiefly have patience with yourself. Tremendously compassionate quote. Emerson said, adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. Carl Jung said, even a happy life cannot be without a measure of darkness, and the word happy would lose its meaning if it were not balanced by sadness. It is far better to take things as they come along with patience and equanimity. A famous one from Rilke, from the letters to a young poet. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. And do not seek the answer now, which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live it. And the point is to live everything. Live the question now. Perhaps you will gradually, then, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. The great psychologist Eric Erickson said quite simply, the more you know yourself, the more patience you have for what you see in others. From Anne Morrow Lindbergh, a remarkable woman, the sea does not reward those who are too anxious, too greedy, or too impatient. To dig for treasures shows not only impatience and greed, but lack of faith. Patience, patience, patience is what the sea teaches. Patience and faith. One should lie empty, open, choiceless as a beach, waiting for a gift from the sea. Very different quality quote from Carlos Castaneda. Death is our eternal companion. It is always at to our left at an arm's length. It has always been watching you. 
It always will into the day it taps you. The thing to do when you're impatient is to turn to your left and ask advice from your death. An immense amount of pettiness is dropped if your death makes a gesture to you, or if you catch a glimpse of it, or if you just catch the feeling that your companion is there watching you. From the Dalai Lama, tolerance and patience should not be read as signs of weakness. They are signs of strength. A great one from the mathematician and logician uh, Douglas Hofstetter. Hofstetter's Law. It always takes longer than you expect, even when you take into account Hofstetter's Law. So a great self-referential one there. James Richardson said, Patience is not very different from courage. It just takes longer. (laughs) Bruce Lee said quite simply, I am not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. Joyce Meyer said, Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. Jack Cornfield said, Whatever your difficulties, a devastated heart, financial loss, feeling assaulted by the conflicts around you, or a seemingly hopeless illness, you can always remember that you are free in every moment to set the compass of your heart to the highest intention. In fact, the two things you are always free to do, despite your circumstances, are to be present and to be willing to love. Peter McWilliams said, Comfort zones are mostly are most often expanded through discomfort. Quite true. And Lamott says, Faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness and discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. Sharon Salzberg says, Patience doesn't mean making a pact with the devil of denial or ignoring our emotions and aspirations. It means being wholeheartedly engaged in a process that's unfolding rather than ripping open a budding flower or demanding that a caterpillar hurry up and get that chrysalis stage over with. David White say, said, We often say to ourselves, I need to be patient. And when we were children, we were told, be patient. And it's really a terrible thing to be told to be patient because the word patience is just a description for a phenomenology that is totally different on the outside. Patience is not something you can manufacture. Patience is what another experience looks like from the outside. Patience is what presence looks like, what rest looks like from the outside. Yange Minbar says, Ultimately, happiness comes down to choosing between the comfort of becoming aware of your mental afflictions and the discomfort of being ruled by them. Reisma Menekin says, Growing up takes focus, energy, resilience, patience, and tolerance for uncertainty. And finally, Jonathan Lockwood Yui says, A wonderful gift may not be wrapped as you expect.